0: And welcome to NARC, Narcissistic Abuse Recovery Collaborators. Today we're going to talk about something very disturbing. It's about, um, well, the title of today's topic is Your Crucifixion is the Narcissist's Resurrection. It comes from a recent article that I wrote on medium.com. You can find this article there and reread it um, after listening today. So the topic is your crucifixion is the narcissist's resurrection. Why you must die. Why you must die for him, for the narcissist. Let's, let's jump in. A partnership with a personality disordered narcissist has an expiration date. And at the end of the cycles of narcissistic abuse, the only way that it can end is with your death. Now, a narcissist is not gender specific. So just for the purposes of this discussion, I'm going to refer to the narcissist as a male. But please know it could just as easily be female. I think studies have proven 74%, I believe, 74% of diagnosed people with NPD are male. Um, But there's a lot of cases that go undiagnosed. And I'm not sure those numbers are very accurate. So first of all, let me name that personality disorders like narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder is a it is a delusional disorder it's a delusional disorder many have asserted that people with npd are incapable of self-awareness but i think that misses the mark i think they are self-aware to some degree but that awareness is very impaired they have very impaired perceptions so they are aware of like of themselves to a degree, but it's a very crippled and distorted and perverted kind of awareness, and um, it's not accurate at all. Um, they know they are different from other people. I know they know that. They, but they, but because of their inflated egos, grandiosity, sense of an entitlement, and all of that, it causes them to externalize the freak factor that we're talking about, the whole weirdness and creepiness of them, and just assume the position that others are merely envious, inferior, and misinformed. It's because they're so superior and um, all of that to other people that makes them stand off, stand apart. And that is their story, and they're sticking with it. The weird thing is that they believe their own, like, fiction that they make up. They, they actually believe it. It's, I don't think that they realize that it's not true. They, they actually believe it. Normal becomes a negative concept for them, and it's designed for weak and cowardly people who are not as enlightened or free like the narcissist perceives himself to be. People with NPD have an external locus of control. They use projection and they refuse to accept any accountability for their actions. The causal link between cause and effect is broken. An external focus locus of control supports a belief that that one is helpless, without blame, and not in control. So really what that means is that the internal locus of control is usually the healthier, happier approach because they do take responsibility uh, for what they do and for what happens in their lives. Since they think that they have to fight to control, uh, to have any kind of control over their lives, their perceptions are often distorted. They are constantly looking outside themselves for fuel, supply, validation, and for their very survival, since there's no internal mechanism to provide it. Studies have also found that individuals with an internal locus of control have more ethics and the ability to incorporate morals and values into their decision-making, and that is certainly something that the narcissist cannot do. There is something called the... Grandiosity gap, which all narcissists must confront eventually. This grandiosity gap is a disparity or disconnect between the accomplishments of the narcissist and his grandiose fantasies, and it's huge. It's this huge chasm of of um, disparity. Uh, over time, it becomes impossible to defend. So, if the narcissist can never accept blame for anything he does, what happens when this gap suddenly is staring at him in the face? Well, it's not going to be the outcome that any of us would hope for. The narcissist is a one trick pony. He's myopic, uh, single minded, single visioned, two dimensional, cardboard cutout zombie. And that person, their delusional insight and magical thinking leads them to reframe the situation. And what do we mean by reframe the situation? Well, there's two parts to this. Number one, the narcissist watches you and takes notes on everything you do and say and all of that only to intentionally, on purpose, misinterpret them because he needs to destroy, disappoint, and torture you so that he can move that locus of control outside of himself. He transforms the empty, abusive self into the good guy and the victim so he can feel better and relieve the pain of this inner trauma. So really what this means is you must carry his pain for him just as Jesus carried the sins of humanity. When you assume the burden, he is freed, whole, and in control. So that's the first part of this uh, reframing that the narcissist does. The second part is that this person with NPD um, needs these delusions, magical thinking, projection, blame shifting, and all these misinterpretations to create this very negative view of you. It's not true. The things that that they create in their head, but they need to create them. So they have to do all these crazy things to paint you as the villain, as the one that has done the bad things. He then uses all this negative view that they've created in their minds as justification to punish you and ultimately to kill you it is called revisionist history when he spins fiction into fact and takes what really happened and like mismashes it all up so that it it's not what happened and then transforms into the victim although he's actually the perpetrator of the abuse after the dynamic has been successfully reframed, the narcissist can continue his torture and destroy campaign in varying degrees during this devaluation stage of abuse, which can last from weeks to years, decades even, depending on what type of narcissist we're dealing with here. And depending on the status of the three primary aims, these primary aims are the primary goals that the narcissist has That drive him, his whole life is about these three things, obtaining these three things. Number one is fuel. Number two, traits, personality and character traits. And three, benefits, perks. So fuel, supply, traits, personality and character traits, and uh, residual benefits and perks. Those are the things that, that comprise the whole, everything that the narcissist does comes back to that. And, uh, there's like a matrix of these, these things that, um, control them. So as if this were not disconcerting enough, there's more, more than what, than what I've just said. Uh, it it just gets worse. Um, this is only the groundwork for what follows. Most narcissists suffer from some version, small or large, of what is called the dead mother complex. Yeah, that's just as bad as it sounds. The dead mother complex. It is a syndrome of narcissistic dysregulation characterized by detachment from the emotional world, a sense of futility and a state of profound emptiness where things are always never going to be enough. It's just not enough. The person with NPD is dissatisfied with his job, his living situation, his relationships, and his status in the public eye. My ex-husband would just rearrange the furniture. He couldn't leave things alone. I would wake up and come downstairs and not even recognize what I was seeing because everything would be moved. Everything would be backwards or just totally different. And I said, you know, why do you keep doing this? Like, It seems like just when we get used to it, about every six months, eight months, 10 months, somewhere in there, everything has to flip and switch and all of this. And I think that that's just because they um, are never satisfied. It's never, the grass is always greener. They have this this kind of attitude of like, well, there's got to be constant change. I got to keep mixing it up. Nothing can ever just be boring and the same. Can't ever just be satisfied with something that's good. You, you got to just, you know, keep mixing it up. That attitude extends to everything. So he is needy. He's lonely. He's hollow. And how does, how does he get this way? How does he get this way? All right. Well, let's look at that. When the narcissist was a young child, really young, very young, his feelings of safety and comfort are displaced or just removed altogether, resulting in a brutal impact uh, to the relationship with the internal mother. The, that So the authentic, life-affirming love and validation that's supposed to be happening between the parent and the child, um, it comes to either an abrupt halt or in some cases, it was never actually present to begin with. That person has always been absent in some way or abusive in some way. So, this absence or disability, crippling, uh, non functioningness <laughs> that's not a word. I just made up a word. This is an ugly word. Um, okay, so the absence, we're just going to go with absence for right now. You get what I'm going for. The absence, Of this mother image that represents well-being, life, love, conscience, grounding. It is now a gaping hole in this young developing child. And there is a loss of the mother's vital engagement that is so critically important. It's massive. And it goes on for longer than can just be tolerated by the narcissist. So it is a catastrophe that carries with it the loss of meaning, the loss of identity, the loss of love, and the loss of uh, self-validation or any validation, which in turn leaves what is known as the cold core. The cold core is what it leaves in the narcissist. The child effectively shuts down fails to thrive, becomes unseen and unheard, and, and essentially just ceases to exist. So next, after this happens, the child's ego responds with something called decathesis. Decathesis exists of the maternal object and unconscious identification with the dead mother. This decathesis is the process of disinvestment, like being invested in something, you know, all in, we're all in. It's the pro- this is the process of going the other way, of withdrawing, the process of disinvestment of mental and emotional energy in a person, object, idea, or even just in the world around them at large. The child becomes disinvested in both his mother and himself. The mother of the one that we're talking about in the dead mother complex is, is actual in the sense of like a of a primal or origin object or uh, image, which is a fundamental building block of what will become the young child's self. Okay, the mother in this dead mother complex is a necessary part in the child development that creates the child's sense of identity and self. When she is dead, the child dies with her. The child's limited level of comprehension can produce the feeling that he does not exist along with acute blank states of emptiness. And so it's almost as if um, he doesn't exist. What implications does this have for, for us, for the partners? I'm assuming that if you're listening to this, you've probably been tangled up with one of these people. Um, so who, who, who pays for the sins of the mother? Well, the narcissist picks at the mother cadaver to scavenge pieces that he may try to wear or assign to others as the roles shift and jumble up in the most tragic of ways with the dead mother. The narcissist is the victim. So he needs to victimize you, his significant source of supply character traits and benefits and perks you, your primary source of all those things. He needs to victimize you to become, to become the dead mother or proxy. You, we're still talking about you become the dead mother or proxy. And the result is he then can have the upper hand and switch roles and act in the role as the mother who was the one who had the upper hand uh, as she did when he was little. If he can reconstruct a similar dynamic, he becomes the one who invalidates and abandons and he wins and can feel a sense of relief, justice, and even happiness. So he's replaying, he's recapitulating, restructuring, repurposing his childhood. And you're now participating in this reenactment, this, this, um, production, uh, And the goal is that he has to destroy you and kill you because that's what his mother did to him. So every time you love them, you're sabotaging and undermining the negative part of the narcissist that he is projecting upon you. Right. Every time you forgive him and enable him and um, try to help him and heal him. That's not what he, you know, you're, you are you know, that's creating a problem for him um, because he can't survive knowing that he's the one who is the vampire Frankenstein monster. You know, he hates you for this. This is one of the big reasons he hates you and has so much contempt for you because you're getting in his way. Why don't you just play along and act out your role? Let him abuse you. Let him murder you and just lay down and go quietly so that he can go on and be uh, transformed and healed from, from that. That's his catharsis. That's his purgation of his trauma and his pain. The war between substance and spectacle just goes on forever. And the dissonance between appearance and reality also just keeps going on forever. And the only predictable feature in their lives is that it's unpredictable. Short term is all they have, and everything is brief and short-lived. They have no object constancy, out of sight, out of mind. You can't love somebody and hate them. You can't be upset with them or angry with them or disappointed in them and still love them at the same time. It's one or the other. He paints everyone totally black or totally white because they have no object constancy, and that's the result. They cannot attach or bond or have any meaningful intimacy or anything with another human because of this lack of object constancy. They love and hate in a one-dimension kind of way. Their life life is a painting, not a 3D sculpture. They are a pond pretending to be an ocean. He needs to believe that you are the enemy. He is dimly aware of this projection identification. That's a thing, that term. By forcing you to act badly, you know, he does so many bad things when you react you come off as like maybe you're the crazy one, but he put you in a position that was completely untolerable. And he puts you in a position where you were suffering such horrible pain. Of course you cried out and then that makes you look out of control and stuff like that. So, you know, he's projecting that on you. He's blaming you. He's persecuting you. He's punishing you. And eventually he will destroy you because that's what he has to do. It's necessary if he wants to maintain his sparkling, clean, false self that is always the victim and always the good guy. That's who he has to be. That's just how it is. That only leaves these roles for you. You're going to be mother, Jesus, or at least some kind of martyr. So the person with NPD has mother issues, mortality issues, and a delusional worldview completely delusional that line between fantasy and reality is so blurred there's it's not even there it's just fluid going back and forth it's all stirred up together in one big pot of mess um, your job is to let him externalize his pain and trauma by carrying it for him in the ways the mother never did for him. Thus, you become the better version of the dead mother. And in the end, when the discard stage of this abuse cycle arrives, you have to be crucified and surrender your life so that the narcissist can be healed and resurrected. This purgation or catharsis provided by your sacrifice is like purifying the narcissist in holy water. He is baptized in the river of your blood. One of the most difficult parts about dying for him is the fact that there's no appreciation or recognition for your ultimate sacrifice, for the gift of life that you have given him. In fact, not only does he not appreciate or recognize it, he hates you. And despises you and has an abundance of contempt for you. He wants you to die and die. You must, if you love a person with narcissistic personality disorder, you must be prepared to give your life to him without recognition or reward. You know why? Because he's going to hit that erase button and your entire life with him will vanish like smoke right in front of your eyes. His amnesia is permanent. The history that you had, it is reimagined and it's nothing even close to what really happened in your relationship, in your marriage, in your time together. Nope, it's gone. There is no other outcome or end to this. It may take only a few weeks or maybe several decades, I don't know, but it will always end this way. Be ready. To hang on that cross and cry out in anguish as the nails pierce your hands and feet because you will be tortured and it will be a slow and painful death. If you love a narcissist and cannot summon the strength to escape, you will die. One way or another, you will die and he will be resurrected from your ashes You have been warned.